Masechet Pesah, Daf 37. We uh, will be getting to the next Mishnah, which is going to be an important um, topic of Berira and Eruv Tehumin. Uh, but right now we're on this Mishnah, which is talking about categories of Shavuot, things that are prohibited on Shabbat and on, on Yom Tov, even though they're not an official uh, melacha. Uh, nevertheless, they're not restful. So we discussed the first category, and now we're going to talk about the second categories of Rishut and Mitzvah. Rishut is something that is uh, a good thing to do. It's like slight, a slight Mitzvah. Uh, for example, uh, making a judgment or kiddushin, and then mitzvah is a full-fledged mitzvah, and nevertheless, these are things that one may not do, so we're going to discuss each one in turn, and the Mishnah ended with a general rule that Shabbat and Yom Tov are equal, except for food preparation, and we'll discuss that rule as well. So, we begin with the topic of um, these are things that are optional acts, acts. They have an aspect of mitzvah, but not a complete mitzvah. And the first one is that one may not may be a judge. Hold on, that is a mitzvah to be a judge, uh, to issue justice. It's a wonder, amazing mitzvah. So why are you saying it's optional? Maybe it's talking about a case where there's another person who is even more qualified to be a judge. So it's not a specific mitzvah that I have to deal with this case. It's good. It's nice if I do. And that's why it's categorized in this here. Although it wouldn't matter, even if I was the only judge in town, it still would not be permitted to judge on Yom Tov. If I'm a betrothed woman, that's also a mitzvah. Uh, so why are you calling this uh, in the category of reshut? Uh, so the answer is Maybe the person already has he already has a wife and children, and therefore he he fulfilled pedurvu, and in that case he can get remarried uh, afterwards um, if he lost his wife or whatever. But the, in that case, there's no mitzvah specifically to do that. Um, because he already fulfilled his obligation of Peru Urvu. Now, the, there are other, other uh, uh, statements in Chazal that say, even if you had kids when you're younger, you should have kids when you're older. Who knows who will, who will succeed? But that's uh, beyond the, the letter of the law of Peru Urvu. That's extra credit. Also, you can't perform Chalitzari Bum, Bahamitzvah Kabi. Those are also mitzvot. Uh, oh, it's talking about a case where. This person is not the older brother. Generally, the oldest brother has the uh, the primary mitzvah to do yibum. And therefore, the younger brother, for him, is called a reshut. If the older brother, maybe it would be categorized, categorized as mitzvah. Nevertheless, it's not allowed either way. And since we talked about um, yibum, so we included chalitza also in this case, although actually any brother can do chalitza. Now, all of these, what's the reason? What's wrong with doing any of these things on Shabbat and Yom Tov? They're not melacha, you're not growing anything. So the reason is, they're all a gezerah that you may come to write. Writing is a full-fledged gezerah. And if you're going to go and do kiddushin, okay, you're going to want to maybe write a shtar. Um, so all these things involve, if you're making a judgment, you're going to write down your 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 the, your judgment. So all these cases involve writing, and you may do that on Shabbat Yom Tov. Therefore, refrain from doing it at all. Good. Now, Elohen Mishum Misvah, the last category, full-fledged mitzvot, various types of donations that one would make to the Beit HaMikdash. 
It's nice to do that, but not on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Why? Because you may come to make commercial transactions. I said, oh, look, I just uh, evaluated the worth of this item and donated it to the Bet HaMikdash. Oh, now I'll, let me evaluate something else and then go sell it on the market. And that would be a problem. Now, what would be the problem? Buying and selling is not actually one of the 39 melachot. Uh, those are only prohibited themselves as a gezerah that you may come to write a receipt. And so this looks like it would be a gezerah, if I donate some to Bet HaMikdash, I may come to buy and sell. If I do that, then I will come to do buying and selling. There's two answers to this. One is that buying and selling is, is more strict than just a regular drabanan. After all, it's mentioned in Nevi'im, Ketuvim, it's mentioned Nechemiah, don't go to the, the, don't go to the um, market to sell things, mentioned Yirmiyah. So therefore it isn't Tanakh, so it could be worthy just for, because of that, not, not to be allowed. Or you could also say that this is all included. This is also a commercial activity that you are evaluating this worth and doing something with money. So this itself is a problem. If you allow this, then you will also come to write. Similar to the previous categories. All right. Now, you can't give to the mama said, Oh, don't we know this already that you can't give to the mama said? You're taking something that was um, unusable and making it usable, it's repairing. No, the extra chidush is that even if I'm going to give it to the Kohen on that very day. And so I might think since on Yom Tov, I'm allowed to do food preparation. So therefore I may think that it would be permitted to remove Tirumah and give it to the Kohen so that he can eat it. Nevertheless, no, you're not allowed to, to do that. You should have given it to the Kohen the day before uh, when you finish processing the, uh, that produce. Now, Now this restriction only applies to Tebel that was required that you had to bring to the Mama Aser from the day before Yom Tov. But if it's something that only became Tebel on the holiday itself, for example, if I made dough and now I have to give Hala, so I couldn't have done that before because I didn't make the dough before and I'm allowed to make fresh dough on Yom Tov. So that I am allowed to give a Kohen, where, to give to the Kohen. Whereas other things that would involve uh, processing the, 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 uh, the wheat and you know, uh, uh, putting it in storage, that or, or those are all things that I couldn't do on Yom Tov anyway. I should have had to do them before. So in that case, those cases only, one has to give to Ruma before Yom Tov. Now, that's a general question on these three categories that you mentioned. First, we had Shavut, and then we had Reshut. Wait a second. These things that you called Reshut, um, are they not also Shavut? Shavut means anything that is not restful. And truth is, everything mentioned in the Mishnah are not restful things to, to, to do and not appropriate for the spirit of Shabbat. So why are you calling it that this is an optional type of activity? And that sounds like it's not a problem of shivut. And the third category also that you call them that they're in the, they're all mitzvot. So they're mitzvot and they're not shivut and they're not things that will uh, go against the restful nature of Shabbat. Why you categorize them as three if they're really all shivut? Oh, in fact, we're talking the the Mishnah is structured in a. This, not only this, this, and even, um, and of course, the next one. 
And not only that, of course, the next one. Right? Not only a register regular shavuot that is prohibited. This is just a regular activity like climbing a tree where there's no mitzvah at all. It's just you feel like doing that. And that is prohib- that is prohibited. And since that's prohibited, then all the more so. Um, so something that has actually a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a mitzvah to do, like judging, that maybe you'll think, oh, it's a little better. No, that's also prohibited. And not only is something that's a little bit of a mitzvah, a minor mitzvah, prohibited to do, even a full-fledged mitzvah, like uh, giving terumah, also is prohibited. So the uh, so it's actually building on each other. The first category is shavuot only, and then we add, and not only that, but also uh, the the next category, and also the next category of the shoot and mitzvah plus shavuot. So that explains that in fact everything in the Mishnah is because of shavuot. All right, now to the last um, statement. And the Mishnah that gives a general rule that anything is prohibited on Yom Tov is also prohibited on Shabbat, except for preparing food. That's allowed on Yom Tov. What mean who? But here we have an exception. Just in the previous Mishnah, when I don't have to go very far, you could have found other exceptions. But um, this one is right here in the same chapter of Mishnah. Uh, we saw that if there's fruit drying out and it's all ready, and uh, it's going to rain, so you can save it on Yom Tov by throwing it down the skylight, but you cannot do that on Shabbat. So here's another case where it's not, it's not, a, it's not a cooking and food preparation, and nevertheless, it's another item that you cannot do on Yom Tov. It's a, it's, it's, this is because of exertion. So you can do that on Yom Tov. You can exert yourself on Yom Tov, but not on Shabbat. So this is another uh, example of an exception that this Mishnah didn't say, even though the previous Mishnah did have it. So what's going on? How come there's a contradiction between the previous and this Mishnah? Amar of Yosef, We're going to offer a couple of answers to this. The first one is the difference between these two Tanaim. Then we're going to see maybe it's the difference between, we're going to reject this. And then we're going to say it's the difference between Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai. Okay, so we're comparing this to another statement that they say. Let's see, what, the, what do they say? Tetanya. We saw this case already. That on Yom Tov, you have two animals fall into a, a pit and they are related. One is the mother and one is the child, male child or female child, either way. And now they're in the pit and you want to save them. Well, it's Yom Tov. So you're allowed to pull it up if you want to eat it. The problem here is that that since it's a, if there were just two random animals, you can say, bring up both. But here it's a mother and a child and you're not allowed to do shechita on a mother and child on the same day as per Vayikra. So Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Ma'alet HaRishon, Amenat HaShochato, VeShochato, VaSheni Oseh Lo Parnasa, Bimkomo Kedesh Lo Yamut. Rabbi Eliezer is stringent. And he said, you can bring up the first one uh, in order to slaughter it, and you slaughter it and eat it, so that's permitted. The second one, you can't kill on Yom Tov because it's the child or it's the mother. And therefore that you have to leave in the pit and you can just send down food to sustain it so it doesn't die, but you can't bring up both. So you see, according to the Be'eliezed, extra exertion is not allowed. And so therefore, even on Yom Tov, it's not allowed. So the Be'eliezed would be the author of our Mishnah that says Shabbat and Yom Tov are the same. And he would disagree with the previous Mishnah that said you can throw the dried fruit down the chute. 
because that's exertion, and he doesn't allow exertion. So the Be'aliyah is the author of this, our current Mishnah, and the Be'oshua Amel, Ma'aleh Tarishon, Amenat Shochato, Be'en Shochato, Chazir Ma'adim, Ma'aleh Sheni, Ra'aseh Zeh Shochet, Ra'aseh Zeh Shochet. The Be'oshua offers a loophole, uh, what you could do is you bring up the first one, you say, I'm going to slaughter the first one. And then after you bring it up, you say, I changed my mind. And then you bring up the other animal, and then you slaughter either one, whichever one you want. So you can use this uh, artifice. And so he permits this, even though it's extra work, you're exerting yourself and bringing up two animals. But Rabbi Yoshua says for a financial loss, it's okay. So it makes sense that Rabbi Yoshua would be the author of the previous Mishnah that also allowed ex- extra exertion for monetary loss by saving the fruit and throwing it down the skylight. And now we can resolve the contradiction between the two Mishnayot. They're two different authors. But Abaye tells Rabbi Yosef, no, I don't accept this. You're comparing apples to oranges, comparing two different cases. And there's no reason to think that Rabbi Elias and Yoshua would agree what they, what they said in, regarding picking up the animals from the pit, that they would apply the same logic here because we're going to reject it from both sides. Who said that you can't save both animals over there. The reason why you can't save both animals is because you can send down food and feed them. So you won't have monetary loss. But here, regarding the fruit that's dried out, there's no way to save them. It's going to rain on them. And so maybe even the Be'aliyazid would agree that in our case, it is permitted. And so therefore, the Be'aliyazid may very well be the author of the previous Mishnah. And so what you said is not good. And the other way around also. The Yoshua was only lenient in the case of animals because he found a logic, a, 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 a legal loophole. You can make this artifice and say, I want to eat this one. No, no, I changed my mind. I'm going to do shechita on that one. But in the case of fruit, uh, it's not possible to, uh, to, make an, uh, uh, to make an artifice. So like, what are you going to say? Uh, it's just, you know, just, just exertion. There's no, uh, there's no way around it. So maybe he would, in fact, say that he does not agree with the previous Mishnah. And so therefore, um, in the, in both ways uh, that, that uh, you... Uh, that you uh, split the Mishnayot um, in terms of authorship are not necessary. And therefore that solution is rejected. So we go back to our question that the previous Mishnah said Yom Tov is more lenient regarding exertion. And our current Mishnah says they're equal. Uh, so what's going on? And here's our second and final answer. We're going to show that our current Mishnah is actually opinion of Bet Shammai, and the previous one about the fruit is Bet Hillel. This is a bit strange because we're saying that our Mishnah is Bet Shammai, and usually we don't want to restrict the Mishnah to Bet Shammai, um, but that is going to be the conclusion. So let's see. Regarding carrying on Yom Tov, carrying is permitted. Betilel says you can carry anything that you need for Yom Tov, even if it's not food. Bet Shammai says only if it's food, and therefore you may not carry a child, a lulav, a sefer Torah, even though these are all important things that you want to use on Yom Tov. Nevertheless, carrying is only permitted for food. And so you see that according to him, any type of extra exertion is not permitted. And so Bet Shammai says um, Yom Tov and Shabbat are the same. 
right? Except for food, which the Mishnah, um, second Mishnah already said. Otherwise, they're the same. So Bet Shammai will be the author of our current Mishnah. And Bet Hillel, who allows extra exertion on Yom Tov, Yom Tov is more lenient. He would be the author of the previous Mishnah. And now we question this. Wait a second. Maybe Bet Shammai would make a distinction between carrying outside and there and there he would equate Shabbat and Yom Tov. Um, but maybe if for Tiltul, um, the moving things like moving that produce, so that fruit from one place to the other, which would be Mukseh, now you're moving it. Maybe in that case, he would be more lenient. And so we can't necessarily say that he would not agree with the previous Mishnah. And we answer, no, there's no reason to make a distinction between the tiltul and hotza'ah, because actually they're both the same category. If you're going to carry something outside, first of all, you have to pick it up first, so you're going to have to move it. And in fact, and this is something very important for understanding mukseh, the whole category of mukseh is, is established to prevent people from carrying outside. Uh, in other words, the rabbi said, let's, let's um, make sure that people move as few things as possible in the house, only things that they need and they're going to use, but don't just go moving random things and things that are prohibited, because then once you have it in your hand, you're going to say, oh, I should take this to my neighbor and you're going to, to carry it outside. Um, and so therefore, really, they're all within the same uh, uh, conceptual category. Okay, this is a very interesting reason for Mukseh. There are many reasons and other places given for Mukseh, but this is a, a primary source that Mukseh is within the same category and because of carrying. And uh, so that if you if you don't move something, then for sure you won't carry it outside. Uh, so um, this is a good uh, a good source to remember. All right. And now the next Mishnah is going to move into the the topic of Eruv Tehomin, which means that applies on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Uh, our movement is restricted. Uh, Torah said, Torah says that you should stay in your place on, on Shabbat. Um, and therefore, uh, what does it mean? Your place, your city. So you can, you can walk anywhere you want in your city and outside the, the city, 2000 Amot. That is permitted. Beyond that, you shouldn't be traveling. And applies on Yom Tov as well. Now, the rabbis gave a, uh, a, a loophole here called Eruf Techomin, which means if I know I need to go um, more far, further east on Shabbat, I have to go visit someone. And so I want my Techom to be 2,000 amot outside the city to the east, that to be my place, so I can actually walk 4,000. Uh, so I don't have to, if I go there and, and stand there at the beginning of Shabbat or Yom Tov, then that would be my center point, so I could walk 2,000 amot around that, which is 4,000 uh, east of the city. But here the rabbi said, I don't have to go and stand there. I could put a meal there. And the meal is like a virtual place. It's like making a VPN, if you know what that is, right? So even though I'm here, my computer is as if it's over there. And so too, wherever my meal is, that's where my place is going to be. Okay, so we know that law. Now our Mishnah is coming to add something else, which is that the laws of Tehum apply not only to my body, but also to all of my possessions and animals. If I have a shirt and I'm in the city and I make a tuchum, uh, to the east, and then I decide to lend my shirt to someone else and he made his tuchum to the west. 
So that person cannot take the shirt with him to the West because it's my shirt. And if I had it on me, if I owned it at the beginning of Shabbat and Yom Tov and they gave it to him on Shabbat and Yom Tov, then he cannot take it outside of my techum. So my techum includes all of my possessions. So this is very interesting and it's going to uh, bring up a lot of interesting theoretical cases. Uh, test the law. So the animals and all vessels are like the feet of the owner. Feet meaning wherever I can walk, so too I can take any of my possessions and so too anyone else can only take my possessions to those places. If I made it uh, to the east only, then no one can take my possessions to the west. So here's an example. If I give my animal to a my son or to a shepherd, this would be like dog walkers today, right? Um, then they would take it for me. So they want to go and take it out to for, for a walk. Um, nevertheless, they can't take my animal um, out of an area where I myself would not be able to walk. So that would be limited. Now, let's say you have a few people living in the house, brothers, they're living in a house together, they share it, they own it together. So if you have um, uh, things that are particular to this and that person, I have my shirts, my brother has his own shirts, and we don't share, these are, my, these are mine, and those are his. So then the, um, each thing would be, would go according to the Tehum uh, of that person. So if I made, if I am wearing my own shirt and I made a Tehum to the east, so I can take it to the east wherever I can walk. But items in the house that are not particular to each person, let's say we have uh, a bowl in the kitchen and we all share everything in the kitchen together. So then the bowl, I, if I want to take it on the road with me on Yom Tov, so I would only be allowed to take it in the, in the area where not only I can walk, but also all the other people that live in the house can walk. So that um, if I made it to home to the east and my brother who lives in the house made it to the west, since we have joint ownership in the bowl, I cannot, I can only take it within the uh, overlap in the, of the Venn diagram where we both would be able to walk. All right, and the last case here in the Mishnah Hashoel Kelimecha Vedom Erev Yom Tov, Kedagle Hashoel, Beyom Tov, Kedagle Hamashiel. And so, when, when does the designation happen? At sunset of Yom Tov. So, if you borrow something from me uh, before Yom Tov and I give it and, and, uh, and you say, can I, can I have that? Um, then it goes by, goes by the, the borrower. So, because you already, you already borrowed it from before. I gave it to you from before. So even though I own it, but you borrowed it. So since it's yours to use on Yom Tov, it goes by only your techum. Whereas if you borrow from me on Yom Tov, well, then when Yom Tov started, it was in my possession. And therefore, um, it follows only my techum. Now, here's a really interesting case. Um, a woman goes and asks for her neighbor, from her neighbor, some spices and some uh, water and salt for to put in her dough. She's making dough. And now she has this dish, this dough, this bread that's made up partly of uh, flour that's her own, but partly of water and salt and spices or in a dish that is from her neighbor. So it's all mixed together. What is the status of this bread? It's limited to where I can walk and where she can walk. 
And so if we made our techumin in different directions, then we wouldn't be able to move the bread very far. Rebiuda is a little bit more lenient regarding the water only, because water is not a substantial item. When I mix the water into the dough, then it's it's gone. It's uh, it's, uh, it's as if it's not there anymore. So if I if I just borrowed water from my neighbor and I mixed it in, then I don't have to worry about it. It's just mine, and I can take it wherever I want. Uh, so that's Rebiuda's opinion. All right, very interesting Mishnah. And you can see how this is going to prompt some interesting discussion. So Matnitin, Delakidabi Dosa. First, regarding authorship, it seems that Amishnah cannot be the opinion of Rabbi Dosa. Why not? Rabbi Dosa Omer, Omer, because of Braita, in which either Rabbi Dosa or Abba Shaul is the, is the author. And it says, so Sparaita is expanding on the Mishnah and saying that if someone takes a, a, uh, a purchases an animal from his friend on Erev Yom Tov, even though it was not delivered until Yom Tov itself, nevertheless, the buyer, since the buyer already paid for it, already uh, bought it and owns it, it doesn't matter that it wasn't delivered yet, the buyer can take that wherever he wants in his techum goes by the buyer's tichum. The second case is the one that's parallel to our Mishnah. If, uh, if I give, um, my, I, I hand my animal over to the professional shepherd, even if I didn't give it to him except on Yom Tov, in other words, before Yom Tov or on Yom Tov, it follows the legs of the shepherd. Even on Yom Tov, I give it to him, the shepherd can take it wherever he wants. So you see that Rabbi Dosa is much more lenient than the Mishnah. The Mishnah mentioned the very same case and said, if I give my, if I give my, my, uh, my uh, animal to my son or my shepherd, then it follows my legs and he can't take it any farther than my techum. So you see Rabbi Dosa is more lenient. Uh, well, we try to answer it. Actually, we can reconcile it that one is talking, the Braita is talking about where there's one shepherd. When there's one shepherd in the town, right, and he takes all the animals of the town, it's like one dog walker for the block, right? So then before Yom Tov starts, I know that I'm going to give it to that specific shepherd. So therefore, even it doesn't, doesn't matter that I didn't hand it to him beforehand, since I know that he's going to be the one that's going to be taking it around. So it's like he has it already. And that's why it goes by the techum of the shepherd. Whereas Amishnah was talking about where there's two or more shepherds. And I don't know which one is going to come and take it. I don't know which one I'm going to give it to. And therefore, it's, uh, it's, um, it's not decided. So it's mine, the owner, and the shepherd who takes it cannot take it outside of my techum. And the proof to this reading is that in the Mishnah, it doesn't just say like it does in the Braita, which is just the shepherd, but it says to his son or to a shepherd. So son or shepherd. And so that shows that there was an option. Um, okay, you don't have to read the Mishnah this way. It could be a case where it's only a son, or only a shepherd. Um, but we're assuming that's talking about a case where he could have given to a son and a shepherd, either one. So he sees more than one person, and that's why it goes by the legs of the owner in the Mishnah. Now, halacha lema. Say in that case, amada babar barchana, amada biyochanan. Halacha kerebi dosa. Very good, biyochanan says. The law follows a bidosa. Hold on. Wait a second, we have a contradiction because he says another statement of the same Rabbi Yochanan says it follows a Mishnah. 
Utanan, Abemava Kelim Kiregle Abelim, and the Mishnah says it goes by the feet of the owner, and Abido says it goes by the shepherd. So, which one is it? Um, so, the answer is actually it could be both. We just said that we can reconcile the Mishnah with the Braita because one's talking about one, one shepherd in the town, and there's two shepherds in the town. So, in fact, the Yochanan could have said both that the Lacha is like the Dosa, and it's also like the Mishnah. It's when it's like the Dosa when there's one shepherd, and like Mishnah when there's two shepherds, and so there is no problem here. All right, so that's uh, that's very good that we're able to reconcile it. That okay, and now tenoda banan shenayim sheshalu haluk echad be shutafut ze lelech bo shacharit lebet hamidrash veze likanes bo arbit lebet hamishte. So here we're going to have a case that really uh, uh, instanti- instantiates uh, uh, the 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 limits of how this works. So two people together borrowed one cloak. And they're going to be a, a partners in sharing this cloak. Had had a two people share one cloak, and they said, "Listen, I'm going to. I need it in the morning because I'm going to go to bed to midrash." And the other one says, "Listen, I'm going to need it at night because I have a party, and so I'm going to use it at night." So that's how they'll share it. And this is all happening on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Now, the problem is that one of them who's going to the Bet Midrash, right, let's say this case here. So this is the house with the robe where the two partners are. And the one of them, when where the robe is, and so one of them is going to the Bet Midrash, he goes this way because his Bet Midrash is this way. So he makes an Aruv a thousand amot away from the house so that he can go that thousand, and then another 2,000. The one who had the party, his party happens to be the other way. And so he makes an eruv, um, a thousand amot from the house so that he can walk another 2,000 from his center point. And so now you see the problem. They really can't uh, use it. Neither one can use it for the purpose that they wanted. The one who did it from the south can only go as far as the northern guy can go southward. And the one who did it to the north can only go northward as one as much as the south, the southern one can go north. In other words, in this diagram, they can only um, carry it in the green area so that this guy can't go to his Bermidrash with the cloak and this guy cannot go to the party with his with the same cloak. So this was not a good idea. And uh, so it doesn't work at all. Maybe he could find a closer Bet Midrash within the thousand amot. And let's say they um, both, both of the, the Bet Midrash was far, 4,000 amot. He made the Eruv 2,000 amot away. And this guy made the, has his 2,000 amot in the other direction. And so that the Shabbat, their Shabbat limits are exactly in the middle. Well, then they can't move it at all from that spot. They're, they could only wear the robe in that one spot and they can't move. And so they um, borrowed it for no reason. Uh, so this is good to know in case you never want to borrow a robe and the joint partnership. Itemar, another case. Two people uh, joined together to uh, buy a meal that they're going to share on Yom Tov. Um, and this meal consists of a barrel of wine 
and an animal. And they're going to do shechita on the animal and cook it. And then they're going to split it. And I'll take these pieces of meat and those pieces of meat and the barrel of wine also. I'm going to drink some and you're going to drink some. So we're going to split it. Now, Rav Amar Chavit Muteret Ubehema Asura Ushmel Amar Chavit Name Asura. And so let's say that these were in, uh, in different areas. We made techum in different, in different places. Um, so Rav says the chavit is permitted. Uh, the wine is permitted, but not the animal. Shemel says both of them are not permitted um, and cannot be transferred. Right? If, let's, say, let's say it was a case like this, right? Where my techum is here and your techum is there. And we have the wine and the, and the barrel in the middle. The, the wine and the animal in the middle. And so, according to Shemuel, um, they're both prohibited because, right, since it's in the middle and you can't take it this way, I can't, and we, we, we shared it. At the beginning of Yom Tov, here's Shemuel's reasoning. At the beginning of Yom Tov, we both shared this, uh, this animal and the wine. And so, therefore, we can't move it on Yom Tov. And Rav says, listen, for the wine, it's okay. You know why? The Gemara is going to explain this in a minute. I'll just say it now. Uh, the wine is easily dividable, right? We could theoretically just, you know, take two, two pitchers and, and split it. So the wine, you could say, is pre-divided. But an animal, you can't pre-divide. It's an, it, the animal is alive. So Rav is making a distinction between things that are easily dividable and things that are not. Uh, so let's see the um, challenge to Rav. My kasabarav, i kasabarav, i kasabar yesh berera. Okay, so now we get to the topic of retroactive, retroactive designation. And this sugya that we're going to learn here is one of the main places where it's discussed. Uh, so here the thing is that, uh, what, what does Rav think about Bereda, about retroactive designation? Um, if he thinks that it can be done, um, then even for the animal it should be permitted. Retroactive designation would say as follows. We jointly own this animal. Now, I don't know which part I'm going to eat, which part you're going to eat, but on Yom Tov, when we do Shechita, and then we cut it up into parts, and I say, I'm going to take the ribs, and you say, you're going to take the leg, then retroactively, we will have designated that even before Yom Tov, that part was mine, and this part was yours. So if so, then when I made my Eruv to the, to the right, so I made my Eruv with all of my uh, pieces of the animal, and you had yours with all of your pieces of the animal. So then the animal should be allowed if you think that there is bereda. And if you think there's no bereda, then even the wine should be prohibited because the wine is all mixed together. And I don't know which part of the wine I'm going to eat and which atoms of wine you're going to drink. And therefore, the wine should be uh, prohibited because on begin at the beginning of Yom Tov, it was all shared. And only on Yom Tov did we decide I'm taking this part and you're taking that part. And so if there's no bereda, then the wine also should be prohibited. Well, what is the logic to permit a shared animal of shared wine, but prohibit a shared animal? That's the question. And here's the answer. Really, that says there is, you can uh, do retroactive designation. And that's why the wine is no problem. And the problem with an animal is that it, it, it depends on, each limb depends on the other limbs. It's a integrated organic whole. And uh, the heart can't live without the brain and can't live without the liver and can't, the meat can't live without itself. All the blood and everything is going around and is uh, absorbing 
unnecessary nutrients from each other. And so therefore, you can't retroactively designate and say, oh, the, uh, the, the brain, that was mine from before. Yeah, but if the brain was mine and now, you know, the, the brain affected the, the other parts and the blood from here went over there. And so now it got all mixed up. And therefore, the animal is a lot more complicated than the wine. Okay, that makes sense. One more challenge to that is, wait a second, they didn't have a problem with mukse. See, mukse could also be a question here. If part of this is yours, then it's mukse to me. I didn't have in mind uh, I didn't have in mind that I'm going to eat your part, so therefore it would be set aside for me, and I would it would be prohibited to me. And so here the question is: How come for techumin they worried, and not for mukse? If you're going to worry about techumin, you should also worry about mukse. And if you worry about mukse, then you're going to, the whole thing is going to be good, not not even the wine. And so I've had no answer to this. Okay, this is interesting because mukse. It's um, usually if something is edible to you. It's still not, it's not mukseh to me because someone has use for it. So it doesn't become mukseh to the other person. So there's a lot of discussion and you can read this long note uh, about this uh, if you like. But uh, we're not going to get into that. Okay, so that, now we understand Shemuel. He says, no, there's no bedera and therefore you can't share the wine or the, or the animal. You can only move it in an area where both people can, can be or you could eat it on the, or right there on the spot. Rav says there is bedera. Now we want to know, what do we do? Which one do we follow? Do we follow the opinion that there is bedera or that there is no bedera? My havi Allah. Okay, so we go back and we see it's actually a more general, um, a more general discussion among these two early Amoraim. Rabbi Hoshaya is lenient and he says, yes, you can do the retroactive designation. Rabbi Yochanan says, no. Now we're going to go back and forth. We're going to, we're going to try out Rabbi Hoshaya saying that he's the one that says you can do Berera. We're going to show a source that where he doesn't. So then we're going to say, you know what, maybe switch them around and Rabbi Yochanan is the one that permits Berera. But we're going to try that out and show, no, Rabbi Yochanan has cases where he does not permit. And we're going to go back to this one and, uh, we'll, and we'll resolve the problem. So uh, this, hopefully that now, now will be clear. Right now we're saying Rabbi Yochanan is the one that says you can do Berera retroactive designation. But now we challenge it. We have a case here where there is a corpse inside a house and there are many entrances to the house. If so, all of the entrances are uh, impure. Um, so the, it fills up, in other words, the corpse fill up, fills up the whole room. It'll even fill up like the hallways where it may go out. And even if that there's a door and the door is closed, and let's say there's an overhang on the other side of the door, um, even something that is under that overhang will also become tameh of an ohel. And all the entrances, because we don't know which one, the body will end up being carried out. So therefore, they're all, ta- they're all, uh, they're all tameh. However, if you open one of them, then it's clear that the one that's open, the body is going to go out that way. So that one will be, that will become, will be tameh, anything under there. But after that, anything under the other closed overhangs, uh, overhang door entrances will be tahor. 
And uh, not only if you open it, even if you don't open it, but you think about it. So that if you had the body there and then you said, you know what? I, we, how are we going to take the body out? And you decide, I'm going to take it out of that entrance or a certain window. Just by thinking uh, it, thinking it, everything that is then, then, then placed under any of the closed doorways, other doorways I didn't think about, will be okay, will be saved, will be tahod, and except for that one. Okay, good. So that's the case. Now, within that, we have a machloket. Bet Shammai Omerim, Behu Shechishib Alav Ad Yamutamet, when does this thinking have to happen? Bet Shammai says it has to happen before the person dies. You see this guy, oh, he's about to die. I better prepare. Which way will we take him out? I have in mind it'll be door A. That's good. So then before the Tum'ah even came into existence, I already had in mind door A. That will save doors B, C, and D. So that's Bet Shammai who is more stringent. Bet Hillel says, even after the person dies, even then where the Tumah already spread all around, even then I can think about, oh, door A, and then only door A will be ta- Tameh. Now, that is all the Mishnah. And on that, the Itamar Allah, the Bihoshaya commented on that, the Taherat HaPetachim, Mikan Ulhaba, Mikan Ulhaba'in, Lamafreya la. So he explains that when Betilel says that you can think about which door you want, after the person dies, that will only save something that is placed under the doorways B, C, and D after I thought about it. But if there was something there before I thought about it, then no. So what do you see from this? That Bet Rabbi Hoshaya does not have the law of Bereda. If he had the law of Bereda, then you could say, even though I thought about it an hour after the person died, so I could say, oh, retroactively, that's the one I decided to take it out. So retroactively, Something that was under the other doorways should be permitted. But he doesn't say that. He says only from now on. So he does not have retroactive designation. And therefore, the Bihoshaya cannot be the one who says that it's permitted. So you know what? Let's change it around. Epuch. Maybe you remembered it wrong. The Bihochanan is the one that permits Berera. All right, so let's test this one out. Umi eat led Biochanan Bedav Hamara Bidav Ase Amar Rabbi Yohanan Hachin Shekalku La Kohot Hen Omahazrin Ze Laze Bayovel. Okay, listen to this case. We're talking about two brothers that um, received an inheritance. And now eventually they're gonna split it between them and they're gonna say, I'm gonna take the barley field, you take the wheat field. But right now, before they split it, it's not clear who owns which one. So how do you conceptualize this partnership? Um, Is it that they all own every square inch or is that maybe the father had something in mind, some way of splitting it, but we don't know what it was. So in a way, this brother does own part. The other brother does own part. When they decide that I'm going to get the wheat and you get the barley, then then, um, they're in effect, they are transferring ownership from one to the other, right? Whatever share you had in the barley, give it to me. Whatever share I had in the wheat, I'll give to you. And so therefore, they are considered like purchasers. It's as if they owned uh, each other's land and they purchased it from one, one another. What's the nafkamina? That when the yovel comes and then the yovel, everything goes back to its original owner, that would mean that 
whatever whatever we decide is going to be undone in a yovel. And my wheat field, you own, you may have owned part of it. As goes back to go back to you. Um, as so, so that's the, what Rabbi Yochanan said. Now, what you see from here is that he does not have oh, so Right, because if you had bedera for retroactive designation, then you would say as follows: When we decide, I get the wheat and you get the barley, then you know what? Retroactively, we'll establish that that's what that that's what their father had in mind, and that's the way it was decided the moment he died. Um, but we don't say that. Because if you did that, then um, it would not be like purchasers. It would be like, that's, that's my original land because I always had the barley and you always had the wheat. And, um, but he doesn't say that. Instead, he says like purchasers, which means it's not retroactively designated. So now we have a problem. Rabbi Yochanan also cannot be the one who has retroactive designation. So what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Or maybe only in a deoraita law, uh, like this Yovel law, that, in that case, no, that's a serious thing, and so we don't allow maybe in a banan law, like Eruv Techumin, maybe in that case he would say, yes, you can do it, and you can go both ways. Oh, but now we're going to reject this too. We're going to show that even in the Rabbanan law, the Biochanan does not allow Bedera, so this is going to be rejected. So let's see, this case, this is also a really interesting case. Um, it's a case where um, I'm in one city and uh, I know on Shabbat or on Yom Tov, a speaker, a rabbi is going to come, but I'm not sure if he's going to come uh, to the east or to the west. So I make an eruv in both directions. I put a meal to the east and a meal to the west, and I make a condition. Uh, can I do that? So the Biyod Ahmed, en adam matne al devarim kehad, ella im bachacham la mizrach, eruvol la mizrach, ma'arav, eruvol la ma'arav. Ilu lechan ulchan, Law. So Rabbi Yehuda says you cannot make a two contradictory uh, conditions uh, regarding Eruv. Here's what you can do. If you know that a certain rabbi is coming, Rabbi Cohen is coming to town, but I don't know which way he's going to be, then that's okay. I don't know if he's going to be to the east or the west. So I say, if he, I hear that he's lecturing in that Bet Knesset to the east, then I want but the one that I, the meal I placed to the east to be my eruv. And if I hear that he's speaking in the lecture hall in the west, then I want that meal to be in the west. And whichever way he comes, that will be the one. That's okay. Um, it's not actually retroactive designation because it's one rabbi going from one to, one to the other. But if it's actually two different rabbis, one's coming this way and one's coming to the other way, and I say, you know, on Shabbat, then I'll decide which one I'm in the mood for. That you cannot do because that is mutually contradictory. You could not possibly have had both in mind. And so explaining that, um, so we wonder about this. Wait, what's the difference between the two, two cases? How come when it's two rabbis, one coming from here, one coming from there, I can't do it because there's no retroactive designation. I can't say whichever but if I go to Rabbi Cohen, then it shows that that's the one I wanted. Or I go to Rabbi Levi, that's the one that shows I didn't want that one. Um, that I did want that one, not the other one. So we don't, we don't have retroactive designation. Well, in that case, even if it's only one rabbi, but I don't know where he is, that would also be, um, it would also require retroactive designation. 
to to occur. So what's the difference between if it's two rabbis coming and I don't know which one I'm going to do, or one rabbi but I don't know which direction he's he's uh, coming from? So explained it. It's talking about a case where the chacham was already in the place where he's going to lecture tomorrow. He's already there before Shabbat started. So in fact, it's not retroactive. I don't know what it is right now. We're talking about, you know, 10 minutes before Shabbat starts, I place the meal here and the meal there. So I happen to be have a lack of knowledge, but that rabbi is in either this place or that place. So it's not a retroactive designation. It's just a designation right now on condition. If he is there to the east now, then I want the east. If he's one to the west now, before Shabbat starts, then it's one to the west. So it's not retroactive. And who said that? Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, so you see from the fact that Rabbi Yochanan gave this explanation, he does not think Bidara works, and that's why the rabbi has to be there from beforehand. Um, if it's two rabbis, then there's no way I can know now what I'm going to be in the mood for tomorrow. So now, you know what? Rabbi Yochanan cannot be the one who says that there is Bidara, not in the Oraita, not in the Rabbanan. So we're going to go back to what we said originally. Don't switch around the opinions. Really, the Oshaya is the one that says you can do you can do berera. When we said he can't do berera, and we gave that example, that's bideoraita. He only says in the doraita you can't. Um, that was the case case with the corpse. Aval but Oshaya would say if it's a drabanan law. That like Eruvin, then you can. Um, and we the last line, Darash Mozutra, Oshaya, and Mozutra, he gave a public uh, lesson, and that means it's authoritative. And he said, Halacha does follow to be Oshaya, and therefore he would agree, everyone would agree that if it's a Doraita law, you can't do retroactive designation, right? You can't play games like this. This is just you know legal fiction, and you know, the Doraita law is serious, it's either this or that. But in the Rabbanan law, so that's more lenient. And the rabbis built into the law. Yeah, you will we'll allow you to decide later which one you had wanted before. And therefore, therefore since the halacha is like Rabbi Oshaya, therefore, if back to the case that we started with, if we have a barrel of wine and we decide to partner in buying it, and now I want to take it this way and you want to take it that way where your tichum is, that would be okay because whichever part of whichever uh, pitcher of wine we end up taking that retroactively we'll have decided which one was ours even from before Shabbat and Yom Tov. All right, a lot of really fascinating cases today. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.